This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of East Lansing Insider, which is a service brought to you by EastLansingInfo.News and 89 Impact Radio. I'm Alice Dreger. I'm the founder and executive director and publisher of East Lansing Info. And today we're going to be talking about the city council elections, which are coming up on November 2nd, 2021 in the city of East Lansing. And so joining with me today, we have one of our city desk reporters, Jack Timothy Harrison, who has been working with us on getting council candidate profiles up so that the readers of East Lansing Info can get to know who is running for council. Although, as we'll be talking about, there's still time for people to put their own names in the hat and join the race for East Lansing City Council. So, Jack, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thanks so much uh, for having me uh, today, Alice. So I will be entering my junior year uh, this fall at Michigan State University. I am a journalism major in the College of Communication Arts and Sciences and also a James Madison major, uh, which is the university's residential public policy college. Uh, So like you said, for the East Lansing Info, I've had the opportunity uh, to report on city council, um, and that includes the upcoming city council elections. And so outside of this role, I am one of three uh, student representatives for the College of Communication Arts and Sciences in ASMSU's General Assembly, which is the undergraduate student uh, government body. Um, And to make two points about ASMSU, uh, the first is that the assembly passes bills to promote uh, policy changes that advance the needs of students. Uh, For example, um, a big one was the pass-fail policy you saw this past academic year. Um, And the other point is that ASMSU employs dozens of mostly student staff uh, that really promote its services, such as ASMSU's readership program or legal services. Great. Well, the connection we've had with you and ASMSU this year has been just terrific in terms of helping our reporting for our readers, because I think one of the things we've been lacking at Eli is enough of the student perspective. And we know from census numbers that students make up about three-fifths of the population in the city of East Lansing. So they are a big part of our population. And being able to have all of you working with us, and especially Jack, you working with us as a reporter, has been so valuable as this year The council has been paying a lot of attention to student issues, in part because the mayor, Aaron Stevens, was a student at MSU not that long ago. So, Jack, you've done you mentioned a bunch of stories for us. One of the stories you did for us recently, for example, was about the CATA finances. And you and I worked on that together. And that was an opportunity for us to do the kinds of things we do at Eli, which is trying to dig into um, numbers and see what's really happening in terms of our local taxes, our government, the impact of services on people. But today we are going to be talking about the city council elections. And again, that's going to be on November 2nd of this year, 2021. I just want to explain to folks a little bit about the background of what's happening with this election, because it's different than ordinary. And that's because of of resignations that occurred on city council last year. So East Lansing City Council has five seats, and they're all at-large seats. In other words, there's no um, ward system in the city of East Lansing. And normally this year, there would be two seats open, and that would be the seats of Aaron Stevens, who has decided not to run again. And it would also be the seat of uh, Ruth Beyer, who was due to end her term this November. 
But Ruth Beyer and Mark Meadows resigned suddenly from council last year in July. And the consequence of that is that there are actually three seats open. Two of the seats are for four-year seats. Those are the seats currently held by Stevens and would have been held by Beyer. And one of the seats is filling out the rest of what would have been Meadows' term. So that's going to be a two-year seat. So what ballots will look like for the people who vote in the city of East Lansing in November will be that they'll be able to choose up to two people in the four-year column and just one person in the one-year column. The top vote-getters win. East Lansing has not adopted a ranked voting system, so it's not adopted a system where you rank everybody and then the person who gets the most support wins. In this case, it is winner-take-all. So the top two vote-getters in the four-year column will be seated on East Lansing City Council, and the top one-year, one person in the two-year column will be seated on East Lansing City Council. And if people think that their votes don't count, I can point them to what happened in the last election in 2019. And in that circumstance, um, two people on the ballot, Mark Meadows and Eric Altman, who at the time were mayor and mayor pro tem, were divided by only about two or three votes. And in fact, if there had been a recount, the recount might have found that Altman won. Altman did not ask for a recount, so Meadow was seated. So votes in East Lansing really do matter. And if you, if there's any place where you think your vote doesn't matter, I would have to say in the city of East Lansing, it definitely does matter. And we want to remind people that if you're interested in how to file for candidacy, you can find out more information from the East Lansing City Clerk's Office. That's Jennifer Schuster's office. And you can also find out information about how to um, register to vote from there as well. So Jack, we know for now that there are five people who are definitely planning to run. So let's first talk about the two city council appointees who were chosen to fill the seats of Byer and Meadows. Who are, these people are running for their first elections. They're hoping to stay on city council, but they've not been elected previously. So like the other people running for council, they have not actually run a campaign before, and this is their first time. So first, talk to us about Dana Watson. Yeah, definitely. So as you said, two um, council members were appointed in 2020, so they're running um, in their first election. And one of those um, is Dana Watson, and she is running uh, for the four-year seat uh, as opposed uh, to the two-year seat. Uh, so for some background information on her, uh, she graduated uh, from MSU in the 90s with a Bachelor of Arts uh, in Communications, and then she received her Master's in Human and Social Services from Walden University. And prior to serving on council, uh, Watson participated in the city's Emerging Leaders Program, which teaches really the fundamentals of city government operations. Uh, Watson also served on the Human Rights Commission um, and the Planning Commission. And since 2009, uh, she has worked for the Ingham County government uh, as a health educator lead, and she assists with uh, community education um, and engagement. And so for the issues now, uh, Watson told Eli that policies relating to the environment, economy, um, and inclusion are going to be uh, important for her. Um, For some more specific issues, uh, she said addressing uh, the pandemic is going to be important, um, particularly uh, the implications for businesses that created. She also said housing um, and finally policing with uh, regards to reform um, and how um, finances are managed are going to be important uh, for her. And so the other candidate um, who was appointed um, and running in his first election is Ron Bacon. And unlike Watson, he is running uh, for the two-year seat as opposed to the four-year seat. 
Um, Bacon attended Saginaw Valley State University, uh, where he received a bachelor's um, in criminal justice and psychology, um, and then a master's in organizational leadership. Uh, he played college football, um, and he also assists the um, varsity uh, football team uh, here in East uh, Lansing at the high school as well. Uh, Bacon told um, Eli that he's worked over 20 years um, in the biotechnology industry. Um, and outside of council, uh, Bacon serves as a commissioner uh, for the MLK Commission of Mid-Michigan. Um, and he's also a board member of the East Lansing Educational Foundation. And so for some of the issues, uh, Bacon really talked a lot about um, finances. Uh, he said he a big priority for him is really uh, examining areas of code and policy uh, to ensure that the city um, is really set up uh, for growth and is very future-oriented. Uh, he really talked about um, balancing the budget. Uh, Bacon also said uh, that addressing the pension debt is going to be important. Uh, he also uh, said sort of uh, looking at uh, large-scale expenses, such as for different uh, city departments and infrastructure is going to be important. Um, and finally, just really how to generate enough revenue as we uh, recover uh, from the pandemic. So that uh, was Dana Watson and then Ron Bacon, Alice. Great. Thanks, Jack. And I just want to remind people as you're giving this information that East Lansing Info is a nonpartisan news organization. And by that, we don't just mean that we don't take sides from Democrats and Republicans, but rather that we try really hard to bring balanced, fair, equal, as much as possible information about candidates and ballot proposals. So as you hear us talking and you hear uh, see us publishing work at Eli, you'll see us trying intensively hard to make sure that we're trying to treat everybody equally and at the same time, give the voters the information that they would want to have as they approach the ballot box. And that can be a challenge. The editorial team, um, as Jack has already seen, spends a fair bit of time sort of agonizing over how to make sure we're doing our jobs correctly. But we really appreciate, Jack, the council candidate work that you've been bringing us this week at EastLansingInfo.News, which brings these profiles working with the folks running for council. So those are the two people running as already being appointees to city council who are hoping to retain their seats. Tell us now about Chuck Grigsby. Yeah, so Chuck Grigsby, um, he was also elected chair of the Human Rights Commission in the city. Um, and as I which said- we should we should explain is he's elected by the commission. The commission is appointed and the commission elects the chair. So he's not elected by the voters, but he's elected by the commission. Thank you uh, for adding uh, that context, Alice. Um, and Grigsby also completed um, the city's Emerging Leaders Program. Um, Grigsby currently leads a nonprofit tutoring service, um, which he founded. Um, and before this, he was a professional um, MMA fighter uh, for several years. Um, Grigsby also uh, I think worked in the Iowa's attorney general office um, as an investigator uh, for victims of violent crime. Um, and Grigsby said uh, he plans to uh, attend law school um, very soon. And so for some of the issues uh, that are important uh, for Grigsby, he said that transparency uh, with the community is going to be a top issue. Uh, he said that following conversations he had with people in the community, um, transparency for him is really about um, making sure people are educated um, about how actions are made um, and what is occurring. Um, for some other issues, Grigsby uh, told Eli 
that addressing budgetary issues, um, especially, right, that pension debt is going to be um, important coming out of the pandemic. Um, he also said uh, that economic development is going to be important for the city. Um, and then he also listed uh, creating relationships uh, with other municipalities. He said um, it's really important uh, to sort of hear what other uh, municipalities are doing uh, so East Lansing can ultimately um, better how it's uh, going about business, Alice. Great. Thank you. And I think you mentioned that Grigsby is also chair, has been chair of the study committee on an independent police oversight commission. And I just want to mention to folks that City Council met to discuss that this week. And coming up at Tuesday's City Council meeting next week, um, they're actually planning to probably pass an ordinance to create an independent police oversight commission, which is moving pretty quickly from the time that the study committee wrapped up its work. So for folks interested in that work, check out eastlansinginfo.news for more information. And you can also watch city council meetings yourself by going to the city of East Lansing's website and being able to click on uh, the meeting information there. And you can actually watch the meetings uh, that have been recorded and all of city council meetings are recorded. Okay. So we have a fourth candidate so far who's come to meet with you, Jack, to do a candidate profile, and that's Adam DeLay, another newcomer to the council races. Can you talk with us about where he's coming from and what he thinks are the big issues? Definitely, Alice. And as you said earlier, right, this um, election is going to be so interesting since we have both a two-year and um, a four-year seat, right? And so Adam DeLay, um, he told Eli that he is still waiting uh, to determine which seat he is going to file for, right, either the two-year um, or the four-year seat. So uh, once he makes that decision, it will be interesting to see how um, that uh, shapes up the race. So DeLay graduated uh, from MSU in 2010, and he has worked um, in state government. He's worked several years in really jobs, he said, as constituent service-related uh, for U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. He said for almost four years, um, also Governor Whitmer for a year and a half, and now he's working with the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. DeLay said that a big policy issue for him um, is reinvesting 25% of the police department's budget to establish a community service department. Um, He also told Eli that Uh, He wants to um, eliminate uh, the city jail. So I think we're going to see uh, police reform and policing issues going to be um, a big important throughout uh, this campaign for all these candidates. And uh, for some other issues, uh, DeLay said addressing consequences uh, from the pandemic is going to be important. Uh, He said particularly uh, for struggling businesses and uh, people also facing evictions. Uh, So again, you know, uh, rebounding from the pandemic is going, I think, going to be another issue um, uh, that's important in this campaign. Uh, he also said um, another issue is um, more transparency. And for him, he characterized it as wanting to see more information made available on the city's website, particularly uh, with the budget. And he also wants to cut FOIA fees in half. So that's some information about Adam DeLay, Alice. Great. Thanks, Jack. Um, and actually reading some of DeLay's ideas, I noticed as somebody who's been doing city desk reporting for Eli for a long time, that some of his ideas are not actually um, 
based on what the city's current laws are. So some of them might require some changes, but also I just want to let people know that as campaigns bring forward material, one of the services that Eli provides is fact checking on materials. So we take people's mailers, for example, and we provide information about whether or not what they're suggesting has been done before, whether or not it's possible, whether or not the representations are accurate. So that's one of the services we provide in our nonprofit, nonpartisan reporting to help people understand exactly where where folks are coming from. So if you have a question that you would like Eli to get an answer to, you can always write to us. It's very easy to go to our website and write to us through the contact link that's provided at the website. So great, Jack. We know of one more person who's planning to run for city council, um, and that's Dan Bowman, who is currently the chair of the planning commission, has been chair of the planning commission for quite some time. Dan is an architect. Um, He has his own business, East Arbor Architecture, which is in downtown East Lansing. And he has indicated he's planning to run for the four-year seat. Um, But as I understand it, Jack, he's not yet scheduled an interview with you, so we can expect that in the future? That's correct. Yeah, hopefully soon in the next week. By next week, I will be able to talk to Mr. Bowman. What we know of so far is the folks who are running for the four-year seat include uh, Watson and Grigsby, and we know that uh, Bacon is running for the two-year seat, and we don't know which one DeLay is running for. But what that means is that potentially Watson and Bacon and Grigsby could all be elected because there would be one person elected from the two-year seat if that were Bacon and two year two from the two-year seats if that were Watson and, and um, Grigsby. We would have something novel in East Lansing, which is a majority African-American council. That's never happened before. There have been very few people who are African-American on city council, and all three of those people are African-American. So that could be that's going to be, for my, to my mind, one of the interesting things that is happening in this particular ca- council campaign is this issue of the racial awakening in America and how that plays out locally in terms of East Lansing politics. Um, one of the things that's been a huge issue in the last year in East Lansing has been the issue of policing and police oversight. And it's something that all three of those particular candidates have been working on because Watson and Bacon have been working on it from the point of view of city council. Bacon has been the liaison to the study committee on an independent police oversight commission. And meanwhile, Grigsby has been chairing that committee. So it's quite interesting a moment in terms of um, changes within East Lansing. And of course, a lot of this has happened as a result of the murder of George Floyd. But even before that occurred, East Lansing was already undergoing a kind of re-examination because of charges of police brutality made by two African-American men, which Eli has steadily reported about. So I think it's going to be quite interesting to see what issues emerge and which candidates emerge as we go forward. We have already five fairly, I think, interesting candidates in terms of um, coming from different perspectives, taking on different issues. So I think it's going to be quite, quite a fascinating election season. Jack, tell us a little bit about how ASMSU is thinking about council elections and thinking about student power with regard to the city, because the city makes a lot of decisions that directly impact the lives of students while they're in East Lansing. Yeah, definitely, Alice. And so just to give more context um, about ASMSU here, so ASMSU has a government affairs department, and that department engages um, with East Lansing city government, either, you know, advocating for its own goals or promoting um, the city's efforts. And so the government affairs department 
um, has been involved, right, in matters relating uh, to city council, right? Uh, I think we saw that uh, with Ordinance uh, 1500 last week about extending uh, the timelines that tenants have to resign a lease. And several different um, representatives or staffers um, of ASMSU came and made uh, public comments. And so for previous council elections, um, as listeners might know, e ASMSU, in collaboration uh, with the East Lansing Info, hosted uh, a council debate on the issues. And so this upcoming Thursday, uh, the Government Affairs Department in ASMSU um, has invited Mayor Stevens uh, to speak on Zoom um, about uh, his time on council uh, and, you know, being the mayor. And as you noted, Stevens is not running for re-election. Um, and according to information put out uh, by the Governor Affairs Department, um, Stevens is expected uh, to speak about what his experience uh, was like running uh, for city council as a student. So, Alice, I'm very interested um, in this event and specifically if it will motivate uh, students to run for council um, and how this would shape the race up if, if, if any students do file since um, as you said, said, there's still almost a month to file. And I want to add, too, uh, that in my observations, I've seen students and ASMSU uh, taking more of an interest um, in East Lansing city affairs. And I think this is really um, neat and important to observe. Yeah, you know, when Stevens was elected, there was a council race that had very few people running, and I think that gave him an advantage. There were two seats open, and there were three people total running. It was Ruth Beyer... Um, Aaron Stevens and Susan Woods, who was looking to be reelected. Byer and Woods were both seeking reelection, and Stevens basically took Woods's seat. This time around, there's a more crowded field emerging, so it's going to be, I think, more difficult for everybody in terms of getting ahead of the pack. Um, but it's, it could certainly be a election in which students could have that kind of voice and that kind of power. That said, you know the the way that the City Council is set up in East Lansing in terms of the way the charter sets it up, does not really favor students. And you and I have talked a little bit about this offline. I thought we would talk a little bit about it since we've got time left. Um, you know, the city charter sets up five council seats only, which is a relatively small number of seats for a city as large as ours. And then they're set up for four years, which makes it tough on students because if you're going to run for city council, then you really need to commit to stay for four years. And if you're running for council, odds are you've already been here a couple of years. So for the average undergraduate or even graduate student, it can be difficult to think about making that commitment to those four years. For Stevens, for example, we see this sort of bridging between his time as an undergraduate and the time after. And I think part of the reason he's not interested in running again, maybe because he's moving on to do um, graduate work. I'm not sure about that, but he's talked about that in the past. But the other way in which students are somewhat disadvantaged is that they, there is no ward system. And so the student votes um, are the same in terms of the at-large seats as all the votes of everybody else in the city. And students tend not to vote in off-year elections. And the council is, I think, purposely set up in some ways to be on in the off-year numbers. So it's, it's in the odd, year, um, odd years every two years. And the consequence of that is fewer students vote. So all of those things coming together has meant that students have not been big players for the most part in city council elections. 
Do you, do you think that might change at all, Jack, in the near future? Do you think students might get more involved? ASMSU has tried to get students more involved, and they've gotten them much more involved in Senate races and certainly the presidential election races. But what about city council races? That's a great question, Alice. And, you know, I haven't had too many discussions about that. And as we've said earlier, too, having this two-year seat available this year, that might indeed uh, make it more likely for a student to actually uh, run for city council since they would not be um, bound uh, to that four-year seat. So that's definitely something um, that I'm watching. And I think just in terms of how the dynamics are shaping up, just in terms of sort of the national issues and movements we've seen, I know I've seen um, a lot of students um, very engaged across campus, um, even those uh, outside, you know, of policy-related um, majors. So I'm hoping to see more interest. Um, I already know people from ASMSU are very interested um, in hosting a debate again with city council members and uh, interacting more with them. So I think it's definitely a great question, and it's something I'm going to be uh, looking to watch more. I think it will be very interesting if the students do decide to put forward a candidate or if a student steps forward as a candidate. It could really make this this election season even more interesting in terms of what happens. One option that I think has not been particularly explored lately is changing the city charter to change how city council operates. And certainly after the last election, people bandied that about in part because there was such a close race between Altman and Meadows, as we talked about earlier. It really speaks to the option of switching over to ranked voting, which is likely to give us a different kind of um, fallout in terms of who gets elected. The advantages of ranked voting is that it, it means that the people who are elected are the people who have the most support broadly in terms of the city base. And it allows different kinds of candidates to come forward. What you find with the kinds of winner-take-all elections that we have is that often sort of the most highly charged candidates might lead or fall backwards, but that you get sort of a different kind of read in what happens with the candidate. And I know there's some movement at the state level to moving things over towards ranked voting because a lot of people feel that it's a better way to get representational democracy, that it's a it's a better option in terms of representing the will of the people at large. Um, but another option could be for the people of East Lansing to decide to change the charter to use a ward system. We've not done that. Lansing has that to some extent, and that's not been a popular idea in East Lansing. Um, but another option would be to create a two-year seat in a more formal way so that there's a regular two-year seat. And that might be something that it becomes easier for students to run for and easier for students to win because it allows them a shorter term option. I also think the two-year seat might be attractive to people who are very busy in their lives because I think committing to a four-year seat is a big commitment and committing to a two-year seat is allows you to do some public service without looking at a very long-term commitment. So Jack, we have just a couple minutes left. I thought I would ask you, what's it been like being an Eli reporter? Definitely, Alice. That's a great question. So a couple points I'd like to share. Uh, so the first is that just through reporting on different uh, matters and issues related to city government, especially city council, um, I really, I think, have a better understanding of how city government works, of how council operates. Uh, so that's been really fun. Uh, secondly, just really learning how to cover 
government-related stories and, you know, how to write um, different leads that still engage but that still get to the news um, is something I'm always working on. Um, and I'm really grateful just to the editorial, uh, excuse me, the editing team, sorry, uh, for all their feedback. And I'm, I think I'm really becoming um, a better writer. Um, and, and thirdly, I just really believe um, in the mission of Eli. Um, I think the publication does a great job of engaging um, and allowing younger people uh, like myself to gain uh, journalism experience. I know uh, this is uh, particularly true uh, with uh, East Lansing High School. Um, it's, it's great to have uh, some other high school students on board. Uh, so overall, just really grateful um, uh, for uh, having the opportunity uh, to write this year. And I also wrote a few articles about related to the affairs at uh, MSU um, in the fall. So thanks for asking that question, Alice. Yeah, we've really enjoyed having you on staff. I think it's really broadened our vision in ways that has been incredibly useful. But one other thing a lot of people may not know is that the top two editors at Eli, which is Emily Joan Elliott, who's our managing editor, and myself, both have PhDs in history and have been in writing instructors. And so that's we take some of that experience as we come to Eli and we enjoy working with the younger students who are working with us because we kind of know how to help them understand how to write for different audiences. So we're teaching them how to do journalistic writing. Um, and really our experience with you, Jack, has been terrific. So we're grateful to MSU for having you work with us and all of the connections that we have with MSU. And part of that, just to wrap up, I want to thank the staff of Impact Radio, which has been so terrific in helping us with the Eli um, podcast, East Lansing Insider. If you'd like to learn more about what we do at East Lansing Info, just go to eastlansinginfo.news. There you will find lots of news of government, schools, arts, cultures, business, and there's a portal there where you can ask us questions, where we can try to get information for you in our Ask Eli to Investigate series. Thanks again, Jack, for being with me today. Thanks for having me. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.